Oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you so much for this wonderful gift, Jesus Christ, our Savior, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through your word, fill our hearts, our minds, our soul this morning, so that we give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have been singing, right, all of these wonderful songs, and I was asked, can we do Christmas songs next week? Well, yeah, because it's still, right? It's still Christmas until through Epiphany. So Christmas songs, Christmas sweaters all around. But these, <laughs> these songs, right, they proclaim good news, don't they? All of the songs we're singing proclaim good news. As a matter of fact, our last song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, is all about really proclaiming that good news. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. This is the proclamation of good news. And the songs aren't apart from Scripture. You actually find the good news proclaimed in His Word. Hundreds of years before He was born, we have the proclamation from Isaiah. And I just love, I love the reading that we have from Isaiah this morning. It says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. This is the new day. A new life in Christ Jesus. And you have to remember, when Isaiah wrote this, it was a dark time for the nation of Israel. They had been in captivity. But even in the darkness, even in the bondage of captivity, even in their sin, he proclaimed the good news. Right? This is what we had last night. Isaiah chapter two, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. And Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19, just a little bit after our reading, the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. This was hundreds of years before Jesus Christ and we know that he is truly the light of the world. And he's not just a reflection of the light, he is the light. He is the source of all light. And he brings life to mankind. He brings life to those who are dead in sin. He shines the light on those who are captive in darkness, doubt, and despair. He brings them out of their prison into his marvelous light. You see, in Christ Jesus, and where there is the light of Christ Jesus, there's hope. True, true hope. He is the hope for the brokenhearted, for those who are weak. He is your strength. For those who are ensnared in sin and addiction, He is your freedom. For those who are hurt, He is your comfort. For those who are weary, he is your rest. 
And for those who are lost, he is the light of your path. Where there is the light of Christ Jesus, there is hope. So this day, let this ring in your heart. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. He is the light of the world, and darkness cannot overcome him. It says this. Actually, I went a little further. That's not supposed to be there. Okay. I get to be surprised too. All right, that's later on. We'll get back to it. We'll see. It's always fun with PowerPoint. Sometimes you just never know what's going to show up. Okay, so we're going to go with uh, verse 5 from Isaiah. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's what's supposed to be up on screen. So you got that in your mind? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, this word overcome can actually be translated as comprehend or understand. So in the literal sense, it could be the darkness has not understood it. And this makes sense, right? For people who are in darkness, they literally don't understand the light of Christ Jesus. And you can have all the wonderful words that you want, but until the Holy Spirit works in their hearts, in their minds, in their soul, they don't understand Jesus Christ as the light of the world. They literally cannot comprehend it. And you've seen people, I'm sure, in just normal things, right? Go from not understanding to understanding. I remember teaching our daughter how to read, you know, the old-fashioned clock, which, by the way, is pretty complicated to explain. You got the hour hand, the minute hand, the second hand, and you try and try and try, but all of a sudden there's that point where you're like, oh, I get it. It's that way explaining Jesus and his gospel to people. There are people who are in darkness in one moment, and then they have seen the light in the next. Now, I know our world makes a, a mockery of that saying, I have seen the light. But it is true. You actually see people who are born again and have a new life. And it is precious and wonderful to behold. You see them become children of God. It says this, to all who received him, who believed in, the name, in his name, he gave the right to become children of, of God who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Look, they weren't born because they tried hard. They made the decision. They did any of that. That is the will of God working in them, that they become children of God. Now, this other aspect about overcome, though, let's, let's not kid ourselves. The darkness will try to overcome the light. It will do anything it can to lure you away from the light into the darkness. 
you know, on kind of a silly level, I'm sure you've all seen Star Wars, right? Darth Vader, right? Come to the dark side, Luke, right? It's all that. But you take a look at our world, and there are so many things that want to lure you in. And they say, oh, no, no, this is the wonderful part. Even satanic temples, they say, oh, we don't worship Satan. We just want human beings to flourish. Well, even Satan disguised himself as the light. And so the darkness really will try to overcome the light. And this was also told by Isaiah as well. This has been told many times throughout Scripture. In Isaiah, from our reading today, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But we have good news. And we need not despair, even though how hard the darkness is trying. And if you read the news and you take a look at the events in the world, you can see that darkness is really trying to overcome the light. But we have the good news. And it says, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And this all came to fruition in Christ Jesus. He arose and his glory is seen. And kings will come to him. Isaiah wrote this, and nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. You see, God made a promise a long time ago to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob. And he made the promise that from Abraham and then from Jacob and from Isaac would come many peoples. Listen, here's what it says. Genesis chapter 17, Behold, my covenant is with you. God made a promise, a covenant. He made the covenant. Not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, but God made this. My covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make into a nation, and kings shall come from you. Listen to that last part. And kings shall come from you. And if you were here last night, the theme was Christ the King, right? And it's from Abraham that comes the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. God made that promise to Abraham now fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And all the world shall behold his glory. Isaiah wrote, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. You see, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He is the glory of God. It says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, this is an astounding little statement that kind of goes by pretty quickly. So the word, Jesus, became flesh, but this word dwelt actually means tabernacled or tented among us, which is kind of strange unless you understand the Old Testament. So what happened in the Old Testament? Well, in the Exodus, they were out in the desert, right? 
And God said, make a tabernacle, a tent. And the tent had the holy place and then the holy of holies. And it was within that tent, the holy of holies, that was the mercy seat. And God said, I will be there. You will see my presence there. But who could see his presence? It was only the high priest, right? Once a year to go in that holy of holy places. But now in Christ Jesus, he is tented among us. He has come to this dark world. And he is there with us. So there's an intimacy here that you miss if you just read he dwelt among us. No, the tent has been flung wide open. The holy of holies has been flung wide open. And Christ is dwelling among us. This very moment. See, God, who is infinite, became finite. But never stopped being God. And now he is God in the flesh. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And it says this, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the Father. So when God says, or when John says we have seen his glory, you shouldn't mean to take it just literally the sight. It is more about the comprehension. We know, we understand the glory of who Jesus is. And it is not just a glory of a person. It's the glory of God. It's the same glory as of God the Father. Look, Krishna did not have this glory. Muhammad did not have this glory. Buddha did not have this glory. Any other so-called prophet in the world never had the same glory as God the Father, God the Son. How do you explain that glory? I mean, we, we talk about his glory, but boy, how, how do you wrap your mind around that glory? Well, last night I used this, and I think it also fits right here. This is what Paul said, and it might help us explain that glory. It's from Colossians chapter 1, starting verse 15. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. When it says image, it means the exact image, imprint. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. doesn't mean that he was firstborn as in God created him, but it is a title. It is what he owns, his dominion, his sovereignty. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Let that roll around in your mind for a while. By Jesus Christ, all things were created. You take a look at the heavens, the earth, everything created. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Wow, let that roll around in your mind for a while too. All things were created for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together because of Jesus Christ. 
And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him the fullness, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I mean, I I read those words. I know I just spoke those words. But to really take them in, uh, they're they're larger than my head, my heart, my soul can even take in. I, I can get about that much of it, you know? He is the unique Son of God with the same glory as God, and He is full of grace and truth. You see, the the glory of God is so powerful, so great, that we in the flesh could not bear it. Moses said, I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. God said, no, it's too much for you. I will pass by, and you will see just a glimpse of my glory. And even then, Moses' face just radiated so much that he had put a veil over his face because the people were afraid when they looked at him. That's how powerful the glory of God is. And when Jesus came, the glory of God, even the demons trembled before him. The sinners trembled before him. Even Peter said this, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You see, to see Jesus Christ is to be filled with awe and worship him. John the Baptist, even him, as great as he was, was filled with awe. He cried out, he bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. John and the disciples recognized the glory of Christ Jesus as the glory of God. It says this, For we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of God from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we confess this. We confess this. When we say the Nicene Creed, we say this, that Jesus is the same as God, the Father, equal, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. And you know what? So, when you are in the presence of Jesus, and he fills your heart, there is exaltation, isn't there? There is true joy. We have that on the screen each and every week. The joy of the Lord is my strength. This is what Isaiah wrote. He says, then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. See, when you are filled with that, And this is what many people are not filled with, even if they come to church and are simply churchgoers, but not true followers of Christ Jesus. They're not filled with that gratitude and that exaltation. Because when you are filled with that, you proclaim His excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And His light is full of grace and truth. 
And we have seen His glory, and glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you ask people to describe Jesus, what's the main word people would use? What do you think? I'd probably say love, right? Jesus is loving. He's compassionate. Yeah, I've never done this as an experiment, but it'd be, I'd be curious, you know, if I just went up and said, describe Jesus, would anybody ever say grace and truth? And I don't know if they would. Because you have to understand, Jesus is grace. He is truth. And you can't separate that from Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, is full of grace and truth. You don't know Jesus. So what is grace? Grace is this unmerited favor, something you can't earn. You can't earn it. And we don't deal well with grace, by the way, right? We just don't deal well with grace. You know, I've said this before, two years ago when we had COVID, so many people did so many things and brought over food and everything else and all of that. And it was like it was hard to accept. It was just hard to accept. And yet that's grace, isn't it? So if we have trouble accepting that grace, imagine how difficult it is to accept the grace of Christ Jesus. So this grace, what is his grace? Well, he brings light to the darkness. His grace brings hope to the hopeless, offers healing and restoration, brings peace to those who are at war with God. And his grace takes those who are dead in sin and gives them life. And this grace he gives is a costly grace. It's not an easy grace. It's a costly grace that he gives. And he is not only grace, he is truth. Truth with a capital T. I know, if you have to go into a courtroom, right? And in the old days, anyway, put your hand in the Bible. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help me, God? (laughs) Would Jesus say, so help me, me? Because he is truth, right? He is the source of truth. There's only one truth with a capital T, and he is it. There is only one way to the Father, not many ways. And there aren't many words of truth from other religions. There is only his word, which is truth, and his word that leads to everlasting life. You know, in our culture, in our age, a lot of people say, well, this is my truth, right? You hear that all the time, don't you? My truth. No, there is only his truth. And his truth reigns. For he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And how do you know his truth? Right? Do you divine it by some meditation of some sort? No. You actually get his truth through his word. It says this 
So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. His word is the source of truth. That's why this year, as we have so many exciting things to go, going on, we want to be grounded in his word because it's from his word that we stand strong. Truth. And you can never separate, by the way, his grace from his truth. They go hand in hand. You see, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, everyone knows that one. He knew the truth of Christ Jesus and the grace that was poured out on a wretch like him. He was blind, but then he could see. He truly saw the light of Christ Jesus, full of grace and truth. And the reason that song is so powerful is because it speaks to grace upon grace. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. So when you abide in his word, his grace and truth, you will know the glory of God. You will see the glory of God. So this day, when we celebrate his birth, lift up your heads, lift up your heart, lift up your soul. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Know that Jesus is the light of the world and darkness cannot overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And when you abide in his grace and truth, you will see the glory of God. See, sometimes people say with other people who are spiritually mature, I want what you have. You seem to know God in a way. You seem to know Jesus in a way that I don't know. Abide in his word. Be filled with his grace and truth. And you will see the face of God. And you will see his glory. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. And then when you're filled with that. And this is what churches need. This is what believers need. They need to be filled with that first and foremost. And then. And then you will proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this day and this coming year, arise, shine, for your light has come. Amen? Amen.